Hey everyone, Troy Hammond here, and that means you're back or you're first time listening to the We Fucking Love Startups podcast. So if it's your first time, welcome aboard. If you've been back here before, thank you so much for coming back again. You're in for a treat this episode. We're chatting with Marion Johnson, who is the CEO of Ministry of Awesome. It's going to be a fun episode for me because I say the word awesome too much, and so I get to say it heaps on this podcast, and it is an awesome podcast. We're going to talk about everything that's happening in the in the Canterbury region here, how the uh, MOA is helping and supporting this region, how they're connecting dots, and some of the ecosystem people that are popping out of it now and talking about some of these founders that have started in this initial cohort are doing so well. And so it's a really cool episode. I'm really excited by what's happening in the Canterbury region here, and I hope you enjoy it. Kia ora. Thanks for tuning in to the We Fucking Love Startups podcast, brought to you by Talent Army. Funnily, this isn't the first time you and I have been on a podcast together, right? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. Hey, I'm, I'm on the other side now. Though. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? No, yeah. so that was, a, that was my first real exposure to high growth startup. You know, that was one of the, Fluent Scientific was one of the startups that came out of the powerhouse um, yeah. experiment, um, which was one of the, you know, uh, big tech incubators um, from Callahan. And it was here in Christchurch. Um, I'm pretty sure they're still on the. I'm. They're definitely still in existence in Australia, yep. but Influent is still going. Um, but um, I, I was there doing that market validation piece and discovering exactly what problem our solution was going to fix. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then from there was approached by Ministry of Awesome. So, yeah. um, having gone through that really you know, vulnerable period, um, pretty much everything that you could do wrong at a startup, we did. Yeah. Um, and so that was very instructive for me. They're the best lessons though, right? Because you totally. learn so much more when you make a mistake. Oh my God, yes. It's like scar tissue on your brain that totally. you never forget. Yeah, and when, when people start using that same language that we as a team were using, I go, stop developing your product, yeah. right? Get off the code, stop. You know, do not build the app. You know, that's yeah. don't build that feature um, because those are the mistakes that happen, right? Yeah. And they go on forever, and everyone wastes their time and money, and then it bombs. What? Do you, how, how was it? Was it for you initially? Because, you know, like similar for me, right? I advise so many startups and founders, and work closely with them. But I'm always, you know, at that level where I'm above, you know, and and I get emotionally caught up in some of them, you know, and to a degree. But you can't so much. And so, how is it with you at Ministry of Awesome being able to? you know, work with all these companies, but not involved so much anymore. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think um, because I'm the chief exec and because we've scaled and we've we've grown quite a lot over the last five years, I'm not on that front line yeah. talking to founders all the time, which is something that I really miss. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's a good thing because the people who are now doing that are way better than I am at, you know, providing that the kind of support that people need. My superpower and where I really fit in with, with founders is being able to see within my network what opportunities I might be able to develop for them. So, yeah. for example, if somebody is working in a, um, I don't know, a B2C <laughs> food and beverage space, yeah. um, I know exactly who to connect them with because of all the work that we've done around Food Starter with foodstuffs and Countdown and, you know, custom manufacturing and the whole kind of supply equation. So I can connect them a whole lot easier and faster than they'd ever do that themselves because yeah. it takes time to discover a sector, right? And it takes time to discover that network. So yeah. that's really where I I get to roll in and go, okay, who can I, you know, magically unlock a door for you? Mm. Um, and the same thing's true with investors and, you know, because we've had our ear to the ground for such a long time and the pretty much know everyone yeah. in, in the ecosystem. You're very much the same, I'm sure. And you you can immediately make those connections and change um, and save so much time for a founder. Yeah. Um, the, the actual support and advice piece, of course, every once in a while I'll have a discussion with a founder, but we've got so much better people for that yeah. now. 
Yeah. 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 I, I feel the same with my team mm. now. I have mm. so, many, so many better people than me to have those conversations. Yep. But I, I love it. As a Ministry of Awesome then, like, can you give us a bit more of a backstory on who Ministry of Awesome are and why they were set up? Sure. So Ministry of Awesome, we've been around now for 10 years, and we were actually created in the wake of the Christchurch earthquake. Um, and so about a year after the earthquake, um, there was just so much red tape. Everything was so stalled. It was so frustrating. Um, I was here. Uh, the city turned into a donut. Like there mm. was the center. You were, you know, it was a hole, um, and everyone just kind of revolved around it and never went across. And it was, yeah, it was a really difficult place to be. There was a major talent exit. Um, People were sort of spinning the globe. If they weren't going to stay in New Zealand, where were they going to go? And a lot of people left. Um, And the thing that we really needed as a city, and I, I remember at that time reading about Ministry of Awesome and thinking, I love it, you know, was was an organization that wasn't going to ask for permission and that was going to crystallize the shaping of Christchurch's future. And they did it in the most organic of ways. You know, they created this event called Coffee and Jam um, and and a lot of other meetups. And everyone who wanted to turn up, turned up. There was no, like, only these people could come. You know, so we had mayors, we had politicians, we had, um, you know, central government people. We had um, just people who lived in Christchurch. We had students, we had high schoolers, we had, everyone. Everyone that you could possibly think of. There was no no kind of invites. Uh, just turn up if you feel like taking part in the conversation. And that created a lot of passion and kind of lighthouse projects yeah. for the city. Um, and it, it was more of a hub for... Um, the f- the future vision of Christchurch than any kind of stated activity that people were invited to. Um, although there were lots of other things happening at that time that kind of spun out of those meetups. So yeah. Ministry of Awesome was this organic post-earthquake you know, group that represented a future, real positive vision for the city, you know, breaking the mold, not asking for permission, cutting through red tape. And the people who originally began it are people like Kyla Colbin, who is yep. the chief exec of BOMA. And you know how, you know, she's she's just she's she's just such a powerhouse um and uh sam johnson who founded student volunteer army and sasha mcmeeking who was the head of modi studies at the university of canterbury vicky buck who was the deputy mayor um were the originals you know and there's a photo of all of them in a cafe smiling and i think they had just done their trust deed so by the time i took over uh which is five years ago um Christchurch was in a different space. So now the Economic Development Agency had pretty much crystallized or was just about to crystallize the vision for the city. And like every city in the universe right now, they decided that Christchurch was going to be the city of innovation, right? But like how many cities of innovation? But I, I say that in a kind of taking the mickey kind of way, but they actually followed up that vision. It feels it, right? With freaking execution and really clear uh, goals, right? So they weren't just, oh, we'll be the city of innovation and let's build some big glass tower and put a lot of like software engineers in there. Um, They actually said, okay, in what? Like specifically in what? And do you think because it feels to me, so I'm an Aussie, I moved to New Zealand. I was debating moving to Christchurch when we first got here. My um, ex-wife's family were here, and so mm. we're looking at Christchurch and Wellington. Mm. Wellington felt like more of Melbourne for me, and so we chose, that's you know where we chose um, Wellington. But it feels like to me, Christchurch pre-earthquake and post-earthquake feels like a completely different place to me. Like totally, it, it feels vibrant, innovative. People are collaborating everywhere. Yep. It's exciting, you know. And po- like pre-earthquake, I mean, I didn't do too much business here, but it felt very. To do business here, you had to know someone and, you know, like you had to be mates with someone and everyone was sort of related and that's how the things worked here. Now you just I, – like I, I know of people that are just setting up in a cafe like Ministry of Awesome mm. and just creating things all the time here now mm. and it feels like it, like it embraces that innovative like environment here now. And and is proud of it. Yeah. And is starting to tell the story, right? Yeah. Um, and I think before you would have been – you you would have been called a digital nomad, yeah. and uh, and you'd probably be here for two weeks and then head off to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, 
Absolutely, well, you, you can't I go think to Bali there's... anymore. The, the Bali's everything's changing in Bali now. So the government's come down pretty hard on all the digital nomads that are ruining Bali. And mm. so yeah, you can't rent an Airbnb anymore. You have to stay in a hotel and all these new rules. But my question to you was: Do you think the earthquake um, was like a reset for Christchurch to say, okay, let's redesign what we want Christchurch to be in terms of technology and innovation here now, and that places like Ministry of Awesome, almost like operating like within a startup, you know, like themselves, like paved that way now? I totally see that. I mean, that's that's exactly that's exactly the story, right? Yeah. That's the story I'm always telling, and it's and it's very real. You know, I um, the the difference between before and after is really stark for me. So I came to New Zealand because one night when I was living in London, I'd been there for I think seven years at that stage. I was working at Universal Studios. Yeah. My whole background's media and film and gaming and that whole you know, malarkey. And yeah. uh, so one night I went out in shortage to a place called the Dragon Bar and I met this really cool Kiwi guy and uh, we fell in love and then we got married. And then as soon as I got pregnant, like all good Kiwis, he was like, we need to get the hell out of Dodge and um, brought me home to Christchurch. And because my dad was an American diplomat, I wasn't like, it's not like I had to be in London or I had to be in the States. I didn't miss any home. I was yeah. fine to just rock along and go to Christchurch and check it out. But I remember getting here and thinking, oh my gosh, this is, it's like Mars. Um, <laughs> Because it's so far away. Yeah. That's well, the first thing. It's so far away. It felt really unconnected to everything that I knew. My industry wasn't here. Yeah. It wasn't even close. It probably wasn't even in Auckland. Um, the whole city felt very much fueled by primary industry, yeah. construction, manufacturing. some manufacturing mm. services, lots of small entrepreneurs. And it's really hard to believe that even at that time, we still have the second largest tech sector in New Zealand. But yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a city where I said to my husband at that time, uh, he's still my husband. I don't mean he was my husband <laughs> at that time. <laughs> um, I said to him, um, two years, darling, like two years. And after that, we will head to New York or back to London or I don't know. We'll spin yeah. the globe and see where, where I, to go. I, I said that too. I said 12 months. Yeah. 16 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 16 years ago. Yeah. yeah we're, so, we're, we're twinned on our anniversary. What is it about Kiwis that are able to drag their partners back here? Like, I, I don't know any other country where people were like, I meet someone, I'm like, what are you doing here? I don't know. I just got dragged here. But I kind of love it now, you know? But that's really cool, though, isn't it? It is. Like, I think it's an unofficial immigration strategy, yeah. you know, because Kiwis are pretty good looking and they go overseas and they snap up, you know, people pretty easily. And they've got this really neat little, you know, um, I don't know, adventurous attitude, mm. but they're also quite mellow. I mean, I hate to generalize about an entire nation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just attractive people, right? Yeah. And I don't, and yeah, not just superficially, but in, in many different ways. And then, but I also think it takes a, a certain person who who is willing to take chances. So someone who is, okay, I'm fine with risk and I am fine with risk. Yeah. You know, that's why Where I've chosen- Where was home for you in the States? Um, nowhere really. Um, I guess before I left to go to London and Budapest, I was in New York. Yeah. Um, and that's where I went after I graduated from university. So I went yeah. to school in Boston at Tufts and then went to New York, like half of my graduating class. And, um, that's when I broke into media. And then I went to Budapest and launched a TV station. And then I went to London, um, and, uh, worked at, you know, uh, Universal and, you know, other media outlets and then yeah. met the hot Kiwi guy and uh, came to the New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Definitely unofficial like immigration strategy for New Zealand. Most I love it. Certainly. Most yeah. certainly. Yeah. But it says something about you too. Like, you but know, I was willing to move here. Absolutely. Your average person, you know, would they really just tuck up pack up their life and go. Yeah. I mean, remember at that time, 15 years ago, the world wasn't as like freaky geopolitically, yeah. you know, Trump I, I was remember, just, uh, you know, some dude on a stupid show. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was working with uh, 8i, this virtual reality company, if you know of them, when Trump got elected. And I remember the night I was with a whole bunch of Americans in the mm. Wellington office and we were watching mm. it and, my, and people just crying. Oh, and, um, it, was, like, it feels like a, earthquake moment right pre and post you yeah. know trump but anyway. everyone remembers where they were all yeah. americans will remember where they were you know some americans don't have that sinking feeling but 
Um, I remember being across the road. I was at Fluent Scientific at the time. Mm. And there was a guy there who, um, for some reason, loved Trump. He was Kiwi. And I and it and it just made me wild. He'd start talking about it, and I'd have to leave the room. And yeah. I'd um, and anyway, I I remember being across the road at C four, and um, when the results were coming in, it was in the afternoon, and at yeah. that stage, we were starting to see the trends. Right? Do you remember the New York Times had the had this like yeah, the, monitor? Yeah. And and it started off that Hillary was the winner, yeah. And then it slowly kind of swung round to Trump, and I, I kept refreshing my phone, thinking this stupid thing is broken, like hitting yeah. the dials, basically trying to like snap snap the glass with my finger to say this is obviously broken. It was like watching a movie. It was surreal, and I actually couldn't. felt the same emotions watching Succession in the TV oh show gosh. again yeah. when the election. I went any spoilers for people watching it, but the election moment, and when they were doing that, I was like, oh, I have those feelings are coming back but um so hard to watch that was so hard to watch and the worst thing of all is it's like it's kind of like what was that show that kevin spacey was in with um you know where he was the senator and at first it was was really fun what was that show Jono? you must know that Um, I can't remember, but anyway, when you first watched it, it was really good because it was crazy. Like, no way politics is like that. And then Trump won, and, you know, Martin and I, my husband, were like, right, turn that off. This is for real. Well, that was actually modeled on the original UK TV show, wasn't it? Yeah. um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, great show. It was Um, a great show until it became real. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, indeed. So, hey, I'm interested to sort of dig into your experience working globally, right? Because you've got some some thoughts on Kiwis needing to think bigger and the likes. And so that mm-hmm. probably comes from your experience of working internationally around the, you know, around the world. Um, what was Budapest like? Budapest was wild. Budapest was really wild. I... Um I basically I got my role um, when I was still in London because the company that bought bought a TV license in Budapest and um, and I I helped them write the listing all the listing documents and you know what the marketing uh, just basically the path to yeah. domination um, and uh, and it was bought by an investment banker called Peter Klenner. Um, German investment banker, and uh, and he offered me the role of uh, director of sales and marketing at um, what was called A3 Televizio in Budapest. Yeah. And uh, so I packed up my New York apartment, and I got my little beagle Molly and popped her in a little travel case and stuck her in the bottom of a Molov and flew to Budapest and landed in Budapest. And you know what? That that it was insane. I, I remember turning up in the first day at work, um, going up to Buda, which is where the office was. No one was there. It was locked. The front door was locked. I knocked on the door. Some guy came along, this lovely guy called, it turns out his name is um, Imre Kovac. Everyone says their names backwards, so they say Kovac mm-hmm. Imre. So last name first. Um, so I met Imre and Imre was like, who are you? And I said, I'm the head of sales and marketing, like zero fanfare. No one knew I was about to come. It was, I mean, so it started exactly as it went on, mm. like total mayhem, total chaos. Um, and you early or was just no one working at that? that no one was working at that time. Yeah. yeah they, they came in later. And this is, this is uh, like an Emily in Paris episode it it is but even 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 worse like that (laughs) level of resentment and contempt and who the hell do you think you are american Mm. turning up here on our patch running our tv station you know i did a deal with this guy called justin bodel from power tv who was in london he was amazing he really helped me uh, program the station we introduced benny hill um to (laughs) (laughs) to um the hungarians um it was insane the the amount of the shenanigans um the difficulty to commercialize you know i mean there was state television one state television two and they were commercializing Mm. right but there were all of the all of the people who had been part of the previous regime were still there and they just now had access to vast pots of 
profit. Um, and, and so there was a lot of looking after each other. Um, a lot of, I mean, everything was a backroom deal. Absolutely yeah. everything. So Budapest at the moment is the place that a lot of people move to now to get, to get entry into the, U, like the EU because yeah. it's so easy to get a visa there compared to other places. Yeah. A lot of my friends went there to set up to go to Europe, mm. but have now got tech companies in Budapest and it's turning into like a bit of a tech hub now with startups. And Absolutely. So- Absolutely. No one needs to show Hungarians how to commercialize these days. Yeah. You know, I mean, at that time, that was very, what, like 10 years after everything started to uh, change. And, um, and, and so it was, it was very much, it, it was rough. It yeah. was very rough. Um, but now it's this incredible European capital that you would, you could probably set up your business quite easily um, there. But at the time, that was simply not the case. Yeah. So it sounds like you've always been a bit of a glutton for innovation and hard, like jumping into the deep end. Yeah. And is that something that throughout your whole life? Or? Absolutely. I mean, I do like setting up something new and making it making it fly. That's my kind of, that's my sweet spot. I, it was really hard at Universal um, to be part of a much larger organization. And even there, I was kind of sifting around to try to find where my spot was, where I could mm. do something kind of new um, and created this little group that um, that basically focused on pulling all of the assets of Universal together around commercial partnership. So in other words, if you were like Samsung, you could take advantage of a movie launch, the soundtrack, the game, um, the premiere at the cinema, mm. um, all in one go, um, some merchandising and some licensing. All of these are different divisions within this giant corporation that never really spoke to each other. Um, and wow. so that kind of work was, that was heaps of fun. That's mm. kind of like, you know, doing a puzzle. Yeah. Those, those like, um, like media buying and advertising and campaigns and everything across like one TV ad now transcends into, you know, TV shows and games now and this and the likes. Yeah. It's so interesting now how everything's sort of connected, you know, in terms of advertising and buying now. It's, totally. Mm. I mean, it's a it's three, 360. You can't not see it, right? You're yeah. just surrounded and you don't like that whole. What it, it used to be what reach frequency opportunities to see, right? Mm. And now it's just about your whole world is wallpapered with brands. Yeah. You don't know where you first saw it. Yeah. Um, you don't know when it hit your you know, consciousness. Yeah. Or if you're talking about it now, you see it in your Instagram feed pretty yeah. much straight away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, well, that's a little, that's yeah, something else, isn't it? Yeah, it is creepy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched that Netflix show last night, uh, the other night. Joan is uh, awful. Have you seen that? Uh, no, it's on, what's the TV show? The, um, do you know that one, Jono? Black Mirror. It's Black Mirror. Ooh. And there's an episode, Joan is awful. Um, I, you should watch it. It's it's creepy and weird. And yeah, that that show, Black, Black Mirror. Black Mirror freaks me out. Yeah, it's too, I, it's too close. I left know? it the one where the prime minister had to, um, Entertain a pig. Entertain a pig. Yeah. That one was just like, God. I think that was the first episode. So they start pretty strong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've seen at least three or four. But I did see that one and and have never forgotten it because, like, what? Who came up with that? You know, who came up with that? I often watch that show and I think, are they just sitting in a room on acid in a like on a beanbag? It feels like it. It feels like it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and darkly, like yeah. I don't want to be on that trip. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> yeah. But all the big stars are going on it now. They love it. I know. I know. Okay, I'll I'll go back. Mm. I'll go back. I'll try to sift through the darkness and try and find something a little bit more my speed. <laughs> yeah, all the American actors are coming on it now, like on yeah. the British shows. So on on Americans, like how was your how's your accent? traveled around the world like do you get as an american do you think that you get credibility or critique with when people first hear your accent or is it a bit of both gosh i don't know i mean i i i think that you know for in terms of professionalism i think um i mean in terms of career i think it's probably a positive like mm. if if there's something happening in the subconscious it's not automatically, ooh, she's a moron, you know, um, but more like a recognition that, okay, she's probably up to speed. She's been in a larger market. Yeah, Uh, She has some vaguely large market experience. I don't know whether it does us 
favors or not. It's funny because I always talk to people and we like, and the reason why I set up this podcast is because I wanted to hear from New Zealand heroes, right? Mm. Like in the industry. And I think we've got so many amazing people in our ecosystem that mm. I wanted to get their voices out mm. and not to, I was just listening to a lot of American podcasts, mm. you know, and I, Americans are so good, you know, at orating and talking their game and selling themselves and the likes. Kiwis aren't as good. Mm. And so I think, um, you know, for me, so many Kiwis that I speak to, they're just like, Americans, they just know they they just must know everything, and so I've always been curious as an American. When you come into the market, do you, by association, use your, you know use your experience at, at scale or whatever it is to just get yourself into opportunities or not? But um, I yeah. don't think so. I think the only accent that has that kind of door opening powers that, and it really depends on who you are, is the um, is the English accent. Like I always say to English people and say to Kiwis, go to the States. People will love you automatically. Yeah. Yeah. You have an accent they love, right? And they don't love all accents, but they do love those accents. Yeah. And they won't notice whether or not you're Kiwi or Australian. But yeah. nonetheless, both come with charm and interest. And, yeah. you know, at least you've got this veneer of cool that you may or may not be, but you've got it automatically because of your yeah. accent. Um, yeah, yeah. I, had that, I had that in bars in San Francisco. People would just say, just talk. You oh, know, for sure. Hear, yeah. It was interesting. For sure. The other thing I love about New Zealand and the New Zealand-Australia relationship now is whenever I travel the States now and say New Zealand, everyone knows New Zealand. Like it's New Zealand Inc. is just batting on a global stage so well now. When I first went to the States 20-something years ago, I would say Australia and New Zealand. My partner was from New Zealand and mm. they'd say, oh, is New Zealand a state of Australia? You know, but now it's like yep. we like New Zealand is world famous and, yep. um, you know, it's, it's, it is so cool to see that. I love it. I love it. And I'm so proud. I mean, you guys let me in. I have a, I'm Kiwi now, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I mean, through the COVID experience, it was, it was, I, I definitely had, I'm going to kill this word, schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Um, I definitely had a bit of that because I, on one hand, Every Sunday I was on the phone with my friends in New York, all of my friends at Tufts. We all went to Paris together our junior year, and those are my, like, best mates. And they're yeah. all kind of scattered across New York, East Coast. And and so we had a call every Sunday when they were all in lockdown and people were dying left, right, and center. I mean, they were – one of my friends, Mio, was a doctor, and she was going through all – remember that? Do you remember yeah, that? I the, had clients in New the York. The holes that are, being dug yeah. in um, – I can't remember what harbor, but anyway – um, through that, I felt terrible um, that I wasn't suffering yeah. alongside. And on the other hand, I felt proud, um, not for me, but proud for New Zealand yeah. that we had, uh, you know, a government and a people who stepped up and did all the right things at yeah. that time. And what I, what I really appreciated was it gave the Americans hope yeah. that there is a way through this. Yeah. And, and it gave them hope that not everywhere in this world is effed, yeah. you know? And, and I know they felt that. And it, and it wasn't like they were thinking, as soon as we get through this, I'm emigrating, you know? Yeah. It was more like somewhere out there, there is... Uh, not madness. Yeah. There is, no, there is, yeah. I think the government handled it awesomely. Mm. And so segueing into awesome, right? So getting back to Ministry of Awesome, tell me through, like, so what now? Like, talk me through what are the next couple of years look like and, and how, like, are you helping shape the sort of Christchurch scene here now going forward? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we just start off with, I was saying that, um, Post-earthquake, we we had an economic development agency that really had clarity around specific focus, specific goals, and what the measurements were going to be around achieving them. So they weren't just painting some some crazy thing in the sky yeah. and saying that's where we're heading and then putting nothing behind it in terms of execution. Um, they fixed on three very specific categories, and those were aerospace and future transport, yeah. med tech and health tech, future food and fiber. And it was at that stage that I approached the Economic Development Agency. Having I was brand new at MOA, yeah. 
And the EDA CEO was also brand new. And the whole kind of strategy was brand new around these, what they were calling at the time, super nodes. And we're mm-hmm. now calling them clusters. Yeah. Um, and and said, look, we have a great tech sector, but we do not have a great startup ecosystem. And if you want this to be the city of innovation, if you want to be hitting these three categories, we need a startup ecosystem because right now, anyone who has that incredible ambition in these areas um, or even incredible global ambition full stop is going to where they can get the community and support they need to succeed. And that is, if they're going to stay in New Zealand, it's Auckland, Wellington. Auckland had Ice House. Wellington had Creative HQ. um, Or they're going to Sydney, to Melbourne, to Tel Aviv, to Singapore, where they, um, or, you know, obviously the Valley, New York, London, um, going somewhere where that community exists. Right now, it does not exist. Mm -hmm. And if it does, we can't see it because everyone's working in their bedroom somewhere. Or, like, there's one person at Business dojo over here and one person over here and mm. yeah they're not collaborating they're not seeing each other and um and they wholeheartedly agreed um and at the time uh we we began we at that very stage also then made a, a partnership arrangement with auto institute of canterbury because mm. we also knew we needed pipeline to come through yep. so that talent pipeline of seven thousand central city students and then creating a sort of geographical focal point, which was Te Ohaka, which is called The Nest, and that's the startup hub in the city center where Ministry of Awesome is HQ'd. Um, And we just opened the doors and said, hey, look, if you're a high-growth startup with growth ambition, come and chat to us. Come sit here. Let's create a community. And one by one, they started to turn up. And literally, we opened the doors on day one, and we had five founders there. One was Emily Blythe from Piper Vision, the yep. fog dispersal technology. Um, she's, she's an incredible yep. founder. Up for a high tech award tomorrow yep. night. Yeah. Yep. And just won the, you know, Kiwi Innovator mm-hmm. uh, of the year. And um, and then we next up we had uh, Kyla from BOMA, who now was on the board of Ministry of Awesome, but now was creating this whole brand new organization that was about, you know, um, ensuring um, transformation of organizations around focusing on innovation. Um, And then uh, we had Levi turn up from Partly, which at that time was called All Goods. We had Chris Bacon turn up from Komodo, um, Chris and Jack from Komodo. um, And we had a whole handful of others who then just one by one by one joined in. The whole thing snowballed so fast. It was incredible. All you had to do was say, here, this is your place. And at the time, we didn't do any kind of business support. We didn't do any venture support program. But it also became the place where investors would turn up, um, where government would turn up, uh, where students would turn up. And all of a sudden, you have exactly what you need in terms of those key ingredients. You've got your founders, you've got your supportive startup community you've got talent to work at these startups and and to do their final year projects there and then maybe become early hires you've got investors casting around trying to find good investments in the south island you've got your academics and research projects um that uh that are also happening alongside those startups research projects like helping develop that hydroscopic powder that emily um then went on with like creating um the dispersal mechanism which began as a leaf blower at Teohaka and is now this like incredible drone. Um, so putting all that together and then literally squishing it up and shutting the door and then kind of stirring it is really like it was the perfect cocktail shaker for um, oh, if startup. You, if you build it, they will come, right? Like, totally. And it, it's, it's so cool Tell to see. Tell the story, right? Yeah. Tell the story. And then it attracts, attracts, attracts. And then before you know it, we had 30 high-growth startups in the space. And um, and we had investors doing office hours every week. Um, and suddenly, it was on the map. And is um, it, is it, what, so what are you doing? Like one thing that – so Serge Van Dam and I chat about this a lot often, right, is like how do we change the education system to be able to help support these companies setting up? How does, how does what Ministry of Awesome doing like tie into the tertiary you know, education system? Well, um, 
so we have a program called Springboard that we um, that we have with Auto Institute, yeah. and most of the students are drawn from their engineering program, their ICT program, which means you know software engineers yeah. um, and developers, and uh, and some of those students are drawn from their business program, mm -hmm. um, and all of those students have the opportunity to do their final year project, which is either a third it's a third year project project, um, and it means that they do their paper at Te Oaxaca mm -hmm. um, while alongside a startup. So um, in the case of, uh, in the case of uh, Piper Vision, mm -hmm. um, one of the pieces of project work would have been the development of that dispersal mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, and in the case of another startup who um, is, is quite incredible and just took, I think, innovation of the year at field days is Nadia Scartosi, the founder of eClean EnviroWaste, mm -hmm. which is a bioreactor that removes nitrates from water. I mean, every single um, employee she's had has been an auto student who started off as a final year project um, around what they're doing. So this is about talent before it goes out into the great wide world. And it's about applied learning. Um, and it's about understanding what the startup environment represents as a potential career path. I mean, it's not mm. for everyone, but you know, when you have but that um, exposure is fantastic. Absolutely. Because you know, if you're yep. working at a startup, yep. you're not making anyone's flipping coffee. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're not working on one tiny little piece of a feature at mm. some major, you know, software company. You're, you're probably writing the marketing plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're probably, you know, building the actual product and there's no one else doing it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that is just, yeah, it's, it's lightning in a bottle for those students. Mm. And, and there are so many examples of students who then get bit by that bug and then they really want to be startup operators too. Yeah. Whereas other organizations, you know, they might go to Datacom or they might go get a job at Jade or, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm just saying that from they've the perspective, yeah, they've got options. They yeah. can see. And then what happens when you are a startup operator and especially in those really early days where you have exposure to the original innovators then you actually think maybe i could do this too mm, right yeah maybe maybe i could do this too look at peter beck's impact on that crew at rocket lab and look yep. at how many other startups they've spawned it's no accident that levi came out of that i mean levi is an incredible guy and he didn't need peter beck or his experience at rocket lab to make him an incredible guy mm -hmm. he would have done something incredible anyway but that that um that ability to work alongside someone who was that ambitious who was that innovation minded and who um, who knew what to do, how to do, and he learned the foot of someone like that who yeah. continues to be a major mentor for him. I'm really going to talk to you about that. That was something that I had written down is like the, like the Peter Becks and the Rod Juries and the likes and the people that just have this aggressive think big nature, right? Um, and something that you've, I've read from you in a few articles is that Kiwis don't think bigger and like big enough. And so that's like when you talk about the Levi's and, uh, you know, the, um, is it Will from Halter or whatever his mm -hmm. name is, I forget his name, that's been out of that, right? They have this aggressive think big attitude. Why is it Kiwis, you think, think a bit too small? I don't not, even... Not all Kiwis, obviously, but, you know... Gosh, like, I don't even know... Um, I, I read this book, which is really well worth reading, called Ambition, and um, and it focuses on Kiwis and ambition. And there's actually a, a full study, and it was given to me by um, Imsha and Alex, Imsha from Outset, and Alex, um, who was at I think Hill Ferrance. Mm -hmm. They're very curious around this piece as well. The book is well worth reading. There's a lot of data in it, um, and it talks about a, a culture change that's required. Yeah, and I think the only this is this is just my two cents, right? Yeah. Obviously, I'm an American. Yeah. I was 
I was born in Bangladesh. I grew up overseas, but every two years I came home and lived somewhere near Washington, D.C. We Americanized again, and then we'd go fly out to Kuwait or wherever the heck we were going. But but my mom and dad were obviously American, and, um, and the schools I went to were American schools. And every time I came home to America, um, I would go to an American school, obviously. Um, And here's one thing that is really, really different straight off the bat. We are so comfortable with calling attention to ourselves. Yeah. In fact, it is a necessary piece of development that we go through as Americans. How do you you go through that, though? Like, is it just by default by... You go in, you're in a classroom, third grade. I'm I'm in Fairfax County. I'm in third grade. I've just come back from, I can't remember where, right? And I'm sitting there and the teacher says, um, okay, here's an equation. Who knows the answer to the question? Everyone in that freaking class raises their hand and like, "Ah, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. (laughs) You you did the same thing in New Zealand. I'm telling you, only your, you know. You'd get like... Your finger, like, just slightly pointed, you know. And, and Australia was a little bit similar, right? Yeah. Like, Australians definitely attention-seeking as well. And, you know, like, you're told, be the best at whatever you do. Don't do it, you know. Don't. 100%. Yeah. And so, We're like, the best. We're yeah, the best. I mean, be, how many times do you hear that in speeches, you know, and then, unfortunately, they get broadcast around the world and everyone's like, Jesus, shut up, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but, but it is. There's something in it. Right? It's the best. In it. We're the best. We're the best. We're the best. You're the best. You have to be the best, and mm. it's just a full-on. This is this is your natural path, yeah. right? It's like yeah. if you weren't, you'd be really ashamed, mm. you know. How do you know, as your role of CEO, at Ministry of Awesome? How do you know if you're being the best? Like, how do you measure your your impact? Well, I think that's one thing that we did really early on, and I am, and and I, I took a note basically from. The guy at Christchurch NZ, um, who was our stakeholder, and he said, you know, you're doing all these startup activation sessions, whatever those are, um, how many startups, and all we were doing was counting how many people we met with mm. and, and not tracking what the impact was. And quite honestly, in those very early days, it was really more about having a place where people could collect building, and then building the foundation. We're right? building the foundation yeah. in super early days. But now if you go to our website and the, if you go to the MOA website, it has three figures in the corner. The first one is how many startups we've worked with since May, 2019, which is when we really kind of, we grabbed the bull by the horns, opened the hub, had the partnership with Auto, had the partnership with Christchurch NZ. Um, so how many startups have we worked with? Mm. How much capital have they raised? And how many full-time jobs has it created? And at this stage, we've raised um, a little over 80 million. And that number obviously keeps ticking up yeah. and we need to update it. Jeffrey will probably put the figures and give it to our digital marketing coordinator, Anjali, sometime yeah. next week. And that figure is going to go up by another one and a half to two um, and because someone's just raised. And and then in terms of the number of employees, we track that every week, every month. And that number, obviously, well, it goes up and it goes down. Mm. And right now we're just under 300. Awesome. Um, and so that's impact, right? That's yeah. why an EDA is going to invest in what we do. That's why Callahan Innovation, you know, is um, confident in selecting Ministry of Awesome to um, deliver startup services. Um, this is... This is why we're in it, right? Yeah. We, we're not here to do innovation theater, right? Yeah. At the end of every accelerator, at the end of every incubator, we do a count up and, and then we continue to track um, because it may not happen immediately. We, we work, to be absolutely truthful, we work so early. And, and that's the other thing I think that, that holds us apart. Creative HQ is, is also really early stage. Yeah. Um, and this is a critical piece if we don't have that early stage volume coming through, we're not going to have the startup numbers that we need in order to be this glorious, you know, future focused New yeah. Zealand um, that that everybody is imagining. And um, and to me, it really is at this stage, the early stage piece and the activity around that early stage piece and that absolute pipelining and that. Uh, focus on that pipeline is critical. And there's three things that are going to drive that. That's role modeling. So telling stories, hey, look at this person. Hey, look at that person. That makes other people go, oh, 
I can do that. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Or and then the second one is the community building. Where do I go? I where where do I see all these other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third piece is making sure that we bring um, support and light a fire underneath underneath all of those people who have a glimmer of gold talent yeah. to them. Sorry. And then the fourth thing is one thing that we haven't been that successful with, but we are working on big time is bringing our medium to large corporates and organizations in um, behind the startup ecosystem. We need those organizations to see our startups and our innovators as external innovation engines. Do not invest in your own internal innovation program and staff it with somebody who went and did some innovation course somewhere within your corporate. It ain't going to work. Actually avail yourselves of the grassroots that's already all around you here in New Zealand. Yeah, that's really, really cool. One one of the other thing that I think that I've noticed in Christchurch um, like 15 years ago to now is there's so many more female founders here now in Christchurch. And is that something, I know that's something that you're particularly passionate about is getting more and more female founders. Yeah. Is that something that's been worked on here? Is it just by, by default? Totally. About? I mean, it's a major focus for Ministry of Awesome. And we started it, um, I don't know if you remember Tip Pyamsam Boon, who used yeah. to be, I think she was, a, I don't know if she was she a was GP a, or an investment manager at Blackbird Ventures. Yeah. She and, um, and, and Sam were extremely bullshit about women founders and making sure that we had really strong participation in this market. And it's something that I think that they worked on an awful lot back in Australia as well. Anyway, Tip was coming to Christchurch. This is three years ago. Tip was coming to Christchurch uh, one day and she said, hey, let's do a breakfast of all your women founders. And I'm on the phone with her and I'm looking across the room and I'm like, oh, Emily, not EA. And I just thought, how the hell did this happen? I'm a woman. Mm. I just assumed we were there, right? I just assumed, um, but 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 we didn't have a decent percentage of women founders across the incubator, and we didn't have a decent percentage of women um, taking part in our accelerators. And and this is not a Christchurch question. I mean, we work across all of the yeah. country now. Most of like half of our accelerators, well, more like three quarters of our accelerators are women all all around New Zealand and. Mm and you know startups all around New Zealand. So th- this is something that just happened all by itself and it's a pipeline issue. Mm-hmm. And and so therefore um, off the back of that I said to Tip we need to we need to do something. We need to start off with like let's do a thunderclap for women founders yeah. um, in New Zealand and that was Electrify Aotearoa which mm-hmm. is the Women Founder Summit. It took place for the first time on the 26th of May last year here in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And um, I was absolutely gobsmacked and delighted that more than half of the audience came from outside of Christchurch. So we had mostly Auckland, Wellington, and then a whole heap of people from Hamilton and Tauranga and Invercargill and Gore and Dunedin. Um, but it was just fantastic. The vibe on the day was incredible. The founders who spoke were incredible. It was just such a great, um, it was such a great event. Mm. Um, and the, and the purpose of it was inspiration by showing, showing all of the attendees what it could look like in those early stages. So there was no rock stars up on stage. They were all people who were still kind of pre-series A. Um, Well, hang on. No, there was sharesies. So that's definitely um, post. Um, And and what was possible. And everybody who spoke stuck around and shared. Um, And it was, yeah, 500 women founders from across the country. Mm. And What can you share from that, right? So if you were to summarize that and say, talking to women right now who might have an idea but might be too scared or might not know what to do or want to get in the industry but not sure, like how could you summarize that conference and say? I think the number one thing is, is that it showed that there was a real community, mm. but the community hadn't connected yet. And um, and so therefore, the minute you create that community and you can all see each other, you can get on each other's wing yeah. and then you can break out into your little regions and you, you know who these people are. You suddenly have, you know, 10, 12 people 
peers who are going through the same dramas that you are. Yeah. Um, I think that's it's so important. You know, help, yeah. founders helping founders is the number one benefit of probably everything we do. 100%. For sure, the master classes are great, and for sure, the office hours are great, and for sure, you know, Jeffrey and Zach and. Ben and Katie and Anjali and all of our mentors and commercialization benches are great, but absolutely nothing beats someone like Nathan Taylor from Partly um, having a having a meeting with you and talking to you about your pitch. Yeah, you know, I, or or sharing their IM or their capital raising strategy or whatever because they've yeah. been there, done that. Anyone yeah. else is just talking from the cloud. Yeah, you know. Hey, that sounds really awesome. Is that something that you're going to do like annually now? Absolutely. So Electrify Aotearoa is something that happens every year. And our plan is that we move from city to city. So we started in Christchurch. That was last year. This year, we're on the 1st of August at Sky City. Um, and we have a full, incredible day of um, of of learning of networking um of capability building so that inspiration piece um and that community piece and the capability piece is 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 going to be insane we expect another 500 women to turn up uh women and men because we need allies as well yep. um and then next year it's going to be in wellington um the date is tbc but it's about mm -hmm. 12 months every 12 months we'll do it again Awesome. I'll right, get in touch if you need some sponsorship and the likes when you get to Wellington. That's yeah. my town there. And so yeah. we'll pop some, we'll pop the, the, the link down below so people can go off and grab a ticket and join you. It's so hard, right, when you're an innovator and you've got an idea and you start socializing it with your family and friends. So many people tell you, no, don't do it because mm. they're worried and scared for you that mm. you might get hurt and fall. Mm. And so to be able to surround yourself with people who also take risk and think big, yep. you know, is such a critical thing to do. 100%. Mm. 100%. Yeah. And we're really generous in this country. You know, our startup ecosystem, I think, is at that stage where that, that generosity is there. But I think people are also really still scared to ask for favors, um, scared to ask for intros, scared to ask for advice. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's so important that you build those communities that are safe spaces and that, that, that freak out around those, that resistance around that, the fear is, is dissipated because you build a relationship and it's a give and take. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to look back at in five years and to say, Oh, this, I'm proud of this. Is there anything happening right now that you're like, I'm excited about this. I am really, I'm, I'm already really proud of the impact that Ministry of Awesome has had on mm. our startup environment, not just in Christchurch, but certainly we can point to that immediately. I think people from around the country point to Ministry of Awesome, like everywhere I go now, like uh, it's funny you reference Ice House, you know, um, Creative HQ, and then sort of, you know, um, Ministry of Awesome here, because that's, like when I was in Auckland the other week, they were saying, oh, we wish we had something like Ministry of Awesome, you know, and Wellington and the likes. And so I think it's 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 definitely put New Zealand startups on the map here in Christchurch. And I think it's doing really, really good things. That's really kind of you to say. And I mean, we've been working really hard, um, but I know the Ice House team is working really hard. And I know the Creative HQ has been busting their butt for what, like 10 years now. Yeah. And they are they are the beginning of the movement, right? Yeah. And each of us have a really important role to play. Our relationship with Creative HQ and with Ice House is one thousand percent collegial, collaborative. Yeah, you know, I speak to we them. We all need each other, right? No, it's not. The pie is is big and getting yeah. bigger, right? And yeah. the, the more we can work together, the better. One of the number one things that you know, I don't, I don't know if you know Troy. There's this group called the Startup Council, which was created. Essentially, it was a recommendation. Um, from a, a small working group uh, that originated at MB, um, and the contributors to it were Suze from Angel Association New Zealand, Dave Moskovitz from Jen, Marcel yeah. Vandenassam, who is you know obviously so involved with startup yeah. and with the NZGCP board, um, and um, JD. Uh, JD Trask. Yeah, yeah JD yeah. Trask. Yeah. Um, and JD was awesome because he was the founder in the room. Like, yep. hello, we need a founder in the room. And he was super clear on exactly what the breaks were for him, like what was screwing up his ability to grow yeah. um, as far as like policies and and he's very um, vocal and he's very vocal. <laughs> he he did not he did not uh, worry at all about offending anyone. And I don't think he has that ability. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love loved it. it. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. I'm going to make him an honorary American. 
Um, anyway, so we had this conversation with each other and MB, um, and we recommended that um, that we create a a working group called the Startup Council, and and the the job to be done was to we wanted a startup minister. Mm. Uh, you know, we want a, a minister for startups, someone who has that portfolio, who can then pull together all the tiny little espresso cups of activity and funding mm. from every ministry there is, you know, from education through to, you know, um, the IRD, all government groups to have all of their policies, strategy, thinking, um, come into a central space and be tested against is this what is this what our high growth startups and innovators need so that we can maximize the impact of you know the slim wallet that we are yeah. you know that we are uh, deploying against this incredible opportunity for our country we have so many talented founders and innovators we have so many incredible researchers working to develop and uh, try to commercialize but with all of the disparate policies and none of it being held together and collaborated, uh, sorry, and um, and and coordinated, mm. um, it's it's just little drops in the ocean. Do you think we'll have a minister minister of you know of startups anytime soon? That's the recommendation. I mean, there's a whole recommendation that's being written, um, but the overriding idea is that we need to, the whole point of the Startup Council was to say, okay, look, if we look at this as a big picture and a coordination job that needs to be done where there's somebody who owns that whole, whole portfolio, yeah. then we we can do something really exciting in the space. Yeah, um, yeah. so uh, you'll you'll hear more about that over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, awesome. I, I'd love to see that. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Mm. I would um, I'll recruit that role for free you know, <laughs> if, if need to be, just because it'll be such it'll be such a great role for New Zealand. And yeah. so, um, hey, this is, this has been a really fun chat. And um, I'm not sure if you've been listening to any of the new season um, season two, but we sort of uh, we finished on a final question now, which is just a little bit of an information share from you. And so you've already referenced a book that someone you know people are going to go off and read. But if you were to sort of say, hey. I'm going to pop something down in the show notes and it could be a podcast, it could be a book, it could be a talk, it could be you know, a course that you talk, it could be something that you just think, this was really impactful for me and I want to share it with people. What's that one thing that you would sort of share on? I'd do two if I can. Go for it. Um, and, ev- and everyone has read this, I think, and if you haven't read it, you better flipping read it. It's so good. The hard thing about very hard things or the very hard thing about all hard things. I can't remember exactly. The hard but thing about hard things. The hard yeah. thing about hard things is one of the best books around book startup yeah. I have ever read. I flipping love it. Um, and I, I pick it up and open it all the time. Yeah. Um, and Especially in this market when you're making yeah. some hard decisions, right? And so, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it, you know what? It mellows you out. Right, you'll read it and you'll be like, "Yeah, shoot, mm-hmm. I'm not the only person who's gone down this road." Oh my gosh, there are thousands before me, and look at their scars. And oh my god, my situation is half as bad as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts it into <laughs> um, perspective. Puts everything into perspective, and it's very in- instructive. Um, the second thing that I would really um, like to talk about, and um, and honestly, I have absolutely nothing to do with this organization, but I cannot applaud enough the, um, the abroad.io uh, program, mm-hmm. which is a, a founder development program. And it was, I was lucky enough to be part of it last year, um, and it was, I believe it was supported by Callahan Innovation, um, potentially MB as well, and the Angel Association of New Zealand. And um, so I was fortunate enough to go through that program. Uh, it's run by a guy called Justin Milano. Um, and it is essentially all about how to build, you know, your best operating system. You mm-hmm. know, this is being an entrepreneur, being a startup founder, I has got to be the hardest job in the whole wide world. I'm not one, you know, and I and but I see them every yeah. single day. And I just think, my God, it is so taxing. You never leave it. It's there when you wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's there when you're having dinner with your family. It's there when you're at the gym. You it's in never your dreams when you're sleeping. It's in your dreams. Yeah. It's like you it's, you know, 
it's just it's yeah. just omnipresent. It filters everything. You start to see your whole world, your identity. Everything is battened up in inside this, and and um, yeah, it sucks your lifeblood. And mm. so, something that allows you to to deal with that, and you know to to build your your resilience muscle. I know that's yeah. such an overword, overused word these days, but it's so important, right? You you have to be able to deal with the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and the sleepless nights and the concern and the worry, the anxiety, the family, the lack of balance, blah blah blah. Yeah. I think it's it was such a useful program because it, it's not it's not like you know, just constantly talking about your emotions or, yeah. or anything like that. It's toolkits. It's it's also um, helps you with your own management of your team, um, how to run a good meeting. You know, yeah. there's some practical stuff, and then there's some really good internal work that you do. I would recommend any founder to go through that program. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to check Ben's book and abroad.io down below, and people can go and check it out. Yeah. And then I'll let you get on. It sounds like you've got a lot of work to do still in your hands. And yeah. so I'm excited by thank you for everything that you've done, you've done and you're doing and your whole team. And um, it's so cool to come to Christchurch. And awesome. it's so awesome to be able to see what's happening down here and just feel the vibe as soon as you get in. You know, it, it feels like and the minute you walk off the plane, right, you, like you go through the tunnels and it, they're cool at Air New Zealand. You see all the constellations and the likes and you just feel like you're in a – in a, in a cool, fun place the minute you get off the plane. So Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. Awesome. See Thank ya. you so much for having me. I hope everyone is actually voting and vying now for this Minister of Startups because that needs to be a thing. It needs to be a thing tomorrow, and we all need to get behind and support this. And so I would love you to go below and comment on who you, should, you think should be our new Minister of Startups. It definitely shouldn't be me. It should be someone with credible and great experience and someone who doesn't just know how to talk shit on a podcast. And so that was a fantastic podcast. Really love chatting with Marianne. She's doing awesome things. It's only fitting that she's at the Ministry of Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much to everyone that are watching these podcasts now. It is blowing my mind about how many people are watching these. And I'm really appreciative of all the feedback that people keep sending me. I may not get a chance to reply to all your messages, but I just want to say thank you for sending them. I see them. I am delighted by anyone that takes their time, time out of their day to send something like that. And so now's the time to jump on, share this podcast with anyone that you think needs it, like and support and follow and subscribe to all the things. Jump on our YouTube channel. We're trying to build that out now and give us a follow on there um, and all the other podcast platforms. And so from Jono and Troy in Christchurch, it's been a blast. Until next time. This podcast is produced by John Otaka from Empire Films.